Welcome to a Critical Faith Podcast from First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln. Author Tom Doyle said, After 9-11, the twin towers of the church have been safety and comfort. Contrast that quote with Genesis 12-1, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. In other words, we're called to step out of our comfortable and safe places and risk loving and caring in a world that desperately needs the Christ that we know. Here now is Pastor Sue Collar getting to the heart of this matter. Gospel of Matthew tells many stories about Jesus interrupting whatever he was doing to meet the needs of people around him. He taught and equipped his disciples to join him in that work. Listen to a summary of what was in Jesus' heart as he looked around him. This is from Matthew chapter 9 and 10. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, Proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. You received without payment. Give without payment. He saw and he did something. He saw a fisherman standing on the banks of the lake. He called them to follow him and he changed their futures. He saw a woman who had been crippled for 12 years and he healed her opening the door for her to be reunited with her family and included in her community again. He saw a tax collector literally climbing the social ladder, and he called him down, invited himself over for dinner. By the end of that dinner, that tax collector had quit his job and committed to giving to the poor instead of stealing from them. He saw Lazarus dead in a tomb, and he called him forth and gave him new life. And he saw a crowd of people harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. And he looked at his disciples and he said, guess what? It's your turn. Well, I've always just kind of imagined at that point there was just just kind of a collective gulp from the disciples. Jesus had always done all this before. And now all of a sudden he's looking for them to do it. What in the world could they possibly do to help all of those people. Well, that's a conversation that we've had here at this church many times. What can we do to make a difference, especially in our community, much less the wider world? But we think a lot about our community because we love this neighborhood we are in. We have been here in this spot for almost 100 years. Our roots go deep. 
This is also one of the poorest neighborhoods in Lincoln. And so we feed the hungry. We support uh, and contribute to uh, schools and clinics in our area. We open up our building to organizations of people who are trying to better their lives. We want to make sure our neighbors have what they need. But is that enough? Racism has found its way back into our communal consciousness. It's always been there. It's just at a heightened awareness right now. It is insidious, and it eats away at the very fiber of who we are and of this community and world we live in. So we join marches, and, and we hold up signs. But is that enough? I have to admit, I've been thinking about this. And more and more, the answer I keep coming to, at least for myself, is no, it's not enough. But not necessarily in the way you might first think. You might think that it's not enough to just feed the poor. We need to be dismantling the systems of poverty that keep people poor and needing help on their table, uh, to put food on their table. And yeah, we need to be doing that. It's not enough just to put food on the table. We need to change the system so that need is no longer there. You might think that instead of marching in protest, we should be storming the halls of power, correct the injustices that people of color have suffered under for generations, write laws that, that criminalize racism. And yeah, we need to be working on those kinds of things too. But that's not enough. It's not enough because I can do all of those wonderful good things, and never know your name, never know your hopes, never know your story. I may be doing great things for the world and not give you what you need because I don't know you. When Jesus looked out over the crowd, he had compassion on them. Compassion is never measured by numbers. It's not measured by how many meals you served or how many people marched or how many laws you had passed. Compassion is measured by name. So how do we learn each other's names? Well, I've got a novel idea. How about we step outside of our churches into our neighborhoods and we introduce ourselves? We meet people. We say hi. I mean, I know it would be nice if all those harassed and helpless people, you know, just kind of funneled themselves magically into our church and accepted whatever help we decided they needed. That is the way the church has operated for decades. But Jesus never said, it's okay, you stay right where you are, all, where you are. I'll, I'll send them all to you. That is not something I ever read anywhere in Scripture. He said, go, leave your home, leave your church, Go meet people where they are, talk to them, find out what they long for, what they need, and then do something. There's a church in Waco, Texas called the Church Under the Bridge. It was started in 1992 as a, as a Bible study for the homeless men who slept there. It has now grown into what we would consider a, a full-grown church. They have Sunday worship, they have Bible studies, they have small groups and fellowship ministries. Uh, people have been baptized underneath that bridge. Weddings have been celebrated under that bridge with a congregation made up of drug addicts and alcoholics and university students and businessmen and everybody in between. They wear clothes like white button-down shirts 
and prison uniforms and t-shirts that say, these are my church clothes. These are people, most of whom have never set foot inside a church. And they probably would not have either. And so the church went to them. And lives are changed underneath that bridge. We have to be willing to leave our places of comfort, meet people where they are, and the messiness of their daily lives. That means we have to be willing to be vulnerable. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he sent them out with pretty much just a clothes on their back and their faith. They had to rely on strangers for food and shelter. They had to rely on the hunger of strangers to want to know what it was that they were sharing in the message that they brought. Not everyone would welcome that. A little while later, Jesus actually talks about the resistance and the rejection that they would come up against in their work. But he was asking them to be vulnerable. Now, what does that look like today? Well, first, I think it means we have to be willing to receive each other's stories. And stories can be painful because sometimes these stories illuminate our own sins. A friend of mine put a post up the other day that was frankly for people like me. It was about racism, and she started out simply by saying, all you white people who are coming to the marches and, and walking alongside us, you are late to the game. So don't expect me to hold your hand while you get up to speed. Don't expect me to explain racism to you and what my life is like as a black woman in this country. Don't expect me to tell you what you need to do to fix things. In other words, don't expect an award for just participating. Well, this is a friend of mine. And even I felt uncomfortable reading that post. And I found myself wanting to say, but wait, I've done... I didn't go down the road of saying, but I have black friends. At least I refrained from that little, uh, little slight right there. But it hurt. And it hurt because she was right. I'm late to the game. And I want to be an ally. And I want to walk alongside her and others to be a part of healing our society. But I have to do my own work to catch up. I can't expect anyone else to do that for me. And if I want to have a, continue to have a relationship with her and work alongside her, then I have to receive her story with gratitude, even if it points out my own sin. If we can be vulnerable enough to acknowledge our failings when we hear somebody else's story, then there's space for us to be reconciled. And the kingdom of God comes a little bit closer. It also means being willing to tear down all those walls that we've built to protect ourselves. Let people see us as we really are. Warts, insecurities, fears, and all. Only when we are able to let people see us as we really are, will they trust us enough to let us see them as they really are. And until they trust us that much, we're never going to know their story and their hopes and their needs and their fears and their dreams. We may not even know their name until we are open enough to let them see who we are and know us. But if we can let down those walls, and if we can through that show others how God has made a difference in our life, they might be open to seeing how God might make a difference in their life. Yes, huge risk, because people may take our weaknesses and our warts and our fears and use it against us. But that doesn't diminish the power of being vulnerable so that God's grace can flow through us to others. 
Well, right after Jesus saw the crowds, he called his disciples over and in preparation for sending them out, he gave them authority, Scripture says. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to cure every disease and sickness. What Jesus was giving them was the authority to reconcile people to God and to each other. He was giving them power to really make a difference in people's lives, to help bring people together and bring people back to God. I think about all this that Jesus asked his disciples to do. I think about uh, the risks that we have to take to go out into the world and be agents of reconciliation, to get to know people so that they can know God. I think about all that, and it becomes very easy to answer the question of why I would make myself uncomfortable enough to do that. You know, why do I dare make myself so uncomfortable and leave the safety of this building to go out and meet new people? Why do I dare be vulnerable and open myself up to being hurt? Why do I dare to get to know your name and your story and your needs and hopes? Why do I dare to do that? Well, I dare because I know when I do, God is working through us, not just through me, but through us, to bring us together and to heal our relationships, and to heal our society, and to heal our world. I want that for you. I want you to have that kind of healing, to know that you are loved by God and you also are empowered to be out in the world as God's holy people. I want you to know what it is to know that God can use you to make a difference. Most of all, I want you to know what it is to be loved by God. That's why I dare to do that. But I also dare to do that because I want it for me too. Compassion. Is at the heart of God. It is why God became human and lived among us. It is why Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, so that we might be reconciled to God and to each other and live a life that invites others into that same healing grace. So get out of your comfort zone, get out of your buildings, get up off your couch, go out and meet people where they are, get to know them, ask them their name, build relationships, listen to each other's stories, Talk about hopes and fears, but know that God is walking alongside you as you do this to give hope, to restore the broken, to tear down walls, and to heal our world. When we are out in Christ's name, we are doing the work of Christ, and we are making a far greater difference than we will ever know. Thanks again for listening to A Critical Faith Podcast. To ponder what we have just heard as we discover a faith that changes lives, join us each week for these podcasts and like us on Facebook at First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska and be a part of our family of people who care and want to be and make a difference.